Hi, I'm Mary Lyons. Welcome to the Big Wealth Podcast. So we had some fun conversations earlier today, and and we keep having these sort of fun conversations about sort of clients as they're coming into the strategies that they're using, right? When they come into the office, they always walk in with something already in place, typically. And a lot of them, well, I've got this, I've got this, we're doing this, we're doing that. And a lot of the people that we have come in the office are entrepreneurs, but when we look at what they've got going on, the, the line I keep thinking through is they're playing an entrepreneur's game with W-2 strategies. Like when you see what Ooh. they have in place and you see what they're doing, it's like you're, you want to do X, Y, and Z. You want to be an entrepreneur, but all the things that you have in place are very linear. Well, um, and I think, I think to that end, Eric, I mean, what you're talking about is really about creativity, right? It's that in an entrepreneurial space, they're thinking very creatively about what exists and how to innovate and how to move beyond that and do something that's better. And then when it comes to thinking about finances, instead of applying that same creative thought process, it's like fear takes over and they're like, I just, I'm going to do these, these things, right? Because other people are doing them. Yeah. I I remember watching uh, one of the talk shows and this, this woman came on, she was a German actress. Uh, by birth, but you know she's been in America for a long time doing movies, and she says she kn- she knows or her boyfriend knows she's he's in trouble when she starts speaking German, like when she gets okay. really really stressed out when everything is going wrong she reverts back to German right and and in a fairly harsh way from what I've gathered right or from the way she she posed it but I think you're right when we get stressed we're like I don't know what to do I don't know how to go solve this problem we we go right back to the thing that we know. Right. This is safe. Other people are doing it. Right. Yeah. It's memetic. I've seen other people do this. It's been modeled. I can do this too. Right. Well, and I, I think there's almost this uh, mentality um, that entrepreneurs are risk takers by nature. When when you look at some of the most successful entrepreneurs that have existed, they're actually not. Um, some of the bigger businesses that have come about in the past decade or so have come from people that have you know, work two jobs until they knew that their entrepreneurial adventure um, is actually sustainable before making the switch. And then they A-B tested things before putting a bunch of money into something. And so it is really interesting when you see someone who is very deliberate and very thoughtful about how they are building a business, you know, because maybe they've used all their intellectual capital on the business. Right. They aren't creative and when they're thinking about the rest or, or maybe it's just that their focus is on how do I minimize taxes and they're willing to minimize their long-term wealth by, you know, pursuing just tax minimization as opposed to I want right. to maximize my wealth, even if it means I have to pay a little more taxes. Right. Yeah, that that's actually a great point. I mean, that that idea of tax minimization is the number one, two, and three questions we get all the time. How can I pay less in taxes? And you can tell the mindset is not quite where it needs to be because usually business owners, the mindset's not where they need to be of how do I maximize wealth? How do I maximize profit? And letting that be the primary driver, not, I don't want to give them any more money than I absolutely have to kind of mentality. So yeah, I think that's insightful. If I have to pay you more, but I get more, I'm down. I like that. Right. Right. Well, and it's that idea of value, right? The definition of value is sort of uh, how do I, how do I get the most out of this with the least least dollar amount, right? I the the, mm-hmm. the absence of value, right? Um, 
but they forget it, right? And I think it's it's that joke that we always kind of think about. Well, they're really, really smart here. Doctors, attorneys, what whatever field you want, nuclear physicists, whatever, right? Um, and we we just assume that they're really, really intelligent in this one area. And so they must be intelligent in all areas. It's going to carry over to thing. everything. Right. Well, I'm the walking example of that not being true. I feel like I am absolutely amazing when it comes to money and what to do with it and finance. And my mother-in-law actually was just making fun of me because uh, we were talking about some stuff. And I said, ah, I'll build a spreadsheet on Saturday. She said, what, you're going to spend your Saturday morning building spreadsheets? And I was like, yeah, this is what I used to do before I had kids. While Mike was like sleeping in in the morning, I would get up and it would be quiet and I'd have my cup of coffee. I'd put my earbuds in, I'd listen to music and I would work on spreadsheets. And, um, you know, I know that may even be hard for you to believe, Eric, because anytime there's a spreadsheet, I'm like, you do it. (laughs) But I think like, you know, you get me outside of that framework and, you know, you start talking about health or, you know, soccer or any of these things. I don't know anything about that. I mean, I'm sure if I devoted hours and hours of time, I could figure it out. But I I do want to go back to what you're talking about here with this W-2 mindset. Can you elaborate more about what you think that looks like um, when people walk in? Yeah, I mean, I think it... To be really clear, I don't think being a W-2 employee is a bad thing. And I think we just need to say that for the record on air here. However you earn your money, kudos to you. But there is definitely a difference between like knowing you're going to get a paycheck every single pay cycle on a specific day and winging it and hoping that what you do works out and gives you a paycheck. Those there's different degrees of security there. So I I just want to make sure that we're, we're not putting anybody down here. This is all like you're earning your living. We're happy you're employed and that you are working and contributing. Yeah. And, and there's so many jobs out there that the only way that you could actually go do that job is in a W2 framework. Like it, it, that, that job doesn't lend itself to being sort of fly by the seat of your pants, you right. know, doing those things like nuclear physicists. I don't want you being entrepreneurial with, <laughs> with blowing up bombs and everything else. I, I, I need you in a box. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the, I think that I'm, that mindset is a more linear mindset, right? I'm going to do a, and then I'm going to do B and then I'm going to do C and then I'm on my way, on my way out. Right. And, and I think a large part of that is that sort of crowdsourcing of kind of how you're putting money into place. You look around, you're like, all right, what do you guys do? You look like me. I look like you. How are you managing your money? And it it's sort of a sort of building your financial plan via consensus. And I think the right. entrepreneurs do this too, actually, because I've yeah. met so many over the last six or seven months that are like, oh yeah, we we need as much insurance as we could possibly get the market's stupid. This is stupid. That's stupid. We want all insurance. And I'm like, hold on, cowboy. Like you've been hanging Ooh. around with a bunch of people that have been talking about the, the value of insurance. And I'm a huge insurance proponent, but it is not the end all be all on everything. Right. And so I think right. that W2, what I call the W2 strategies is I go to work, I get a 401k, I get a match. I put my contribution in and I'm putting as much as in as I can stomach. Mm-hmm. And then I'm driving on. Right. Right. And I, I think real wealth building, when you when you think about billionaires, right, or you think about people who've created six, seven, eight figures of passive income that's coming in, right. 
what happens is they aren't thinking like everybody else. They're looking for places where there's opportunity and they are looking with a very different perspective than the rest of the world. I think that one of the things that I've noticed is that, and, and this keeps coming up in my meetings recently, is that most people come in and they say, well, how much do I need to retire? And it doesn't matter how much money they're making or how much money they have. There seems to be this magic number of when I have X net worth, I'm going to quit. Yep. I'm, I, I can retire. I can do this other thing. I can go start this nonprofit because I've got this big cushion, whatever it may be, but it's tied to a, a fixed number. And, and the hardest thing about that yeah. is that anytime you're thinking about investments, investments fluctuate in value. And so you may say, this is it, I'm retiring. And then you go through a time period like last year and your portfolio loses 20%. Well, now you're not at your number anymore. Does that mean you need to go back to work? And so what, what I think is really important, and you and I talk about this a lot, and this is kind of a recurring theme in our podcast, but that idea of when you change your perspective, a completely different picture emerges. And I think about that because if I'm standing in front of somebody, what I see is different than if I walk around and I have a different perspective and I'm standing behind them. And so if you if you are willing to change your perspective and begin to think for a minute about income creation, right. all of a sudden the tools that become attractive are very different, or you're going to use the, the financial resources that you have in a different way when you're looking at creating sustainable and reliable income streams. And I think that is probably one of the biggest shifts in mentality that you can yeah. make that gets you out of thinking inside of a box, which I think is really what we're talking about here and beginning to look at what is available to you from a place of abundance and creativity. Right. Because the moment you do that and you're looking at creating income, if I create income, that relieves pressure to begin with. But if I keep producing at the same level that I'm already producing at and I'm adding in additional income streams, that means I have more resources to build with. Yeah. Well, and I think that second question right behind how, to, instead of net worth, how do I maximize income is mm -hmm. sort of the realization that it might not be all in one space, right? It may right. not all be investments. It may not all be insurance or real estate or for the business owners, how many or people, gas or, yeah. Or and how many, real, how many business owners do you walk in? And you're like, what are you doing for your retirement? And you're like, you're sitting in it. It's right here. It's everything I've got. And it's like, Hey, slow down. Right. Like, that that idea of one plus one equals three, and that and that ability to kind of think non-linearly about it, tied with that focus on income, I think is that one-two punch that allows them to make. That's the two biggest mental leaps I, I see people having a hard time with. Yeah, I I, I had a conversation recently where um, you know if you were looking at somebody who let's say had a really big real estate portfolio, but it was um, all in land and land that wasn't producing rents. So on paper, they have this big giant net worth, but from an income perspective, it's not there. And so the only way for them to get to a point where they can create income is to disassemble what they've spent their lifetime building by selling the land right. and looking for other opportunities to create income. And so there's, there's a difference between on paper rich and actual rich. Right. Because, you know, you look at somebody else who maybe doesn't have anywhere near the same net worth, but they have a thriving and reliable income stream producing six figures and they get to spend their time doing whatever they want. Right. So it's 
you, when you, when you look at these things, I think you have to really start saying, well, what am I trying? What am I trying to create? Right. It's not just be creative. You know, I mean, like anybody can take a paintbrush and throw some paint onto a canvas. It doesn't mean the end result looks good. You have to have an idea of what am I trying to do here and then balance everything out and, you know, really pay attention to the medium that you're using and and those sorts of things. And I think that goes to your point. I mean, if I paint the whole canvas with red splatter paint, you know, great. It takes multiple different colors of paint in order to paint an actual picture. And so I I think this idea of it's, I mean, frankly, what we're really talking about is diversification, but a step beyond not just diversifying in investments. It's, it's about looking at all of the tools available to you and then asking yourself, what is it I'm trying to do here? Well, and maybe, and you've, you've mentioned this before and there's a great, I think it was Tesla or Viagra or something. I forgot your story or Propecia (laughs) or whatever the story was, but being able to look at tools that you in a certain way and looking at them differently than maybe you've looked at them in the past. Right. And I'm I'm going to give some color on this. Yeah. Yeah. So I just did a speaking event to a bunch of um, like leadership for financial services companies. Um, And I I did it with One America, who's one of the carriers that we use when we're looking at insurance, long-term care insurance, that sort of thing. It's such a great company, but I got to speak to a lot of their leadership and a lot of the uh, kind of up and coming advisors recently. And in the middle of my presentation, I just wanted to make sure everybody was paying attention. And so I put a slide up that said, what do these three things have in common? And the three things were Propecia, Viagra, and whole life insurance. And um, (laughs) I was standing out there, it was kind of quiet. There's a couple of chuckles. And I was like, some of y'all aren't paying attention. And then everyone kind of, you know, is engaged for a second. And somebody actually yelled out from the audience, they all grow. And I was <laughs> like, oh no, no, that's not where I was going. But I did set myself up for this by saying it. But the reality is that when you think about uh, Propecia, it was originally created to uh, deal with prostate enlargement. And a side effect was that all these old guys started regrowing their hair. So they tweaked the formula and right. now it's used almost exclusively for hair regrowth and maintaining your hair. Um, and then Viagra was originally used to treat hypertension. So high blood pressure. And then there was a side effect to Viagra as well, which I think we're all familiar with. And so they tweaked the formula and now that's what it's used for. And um, when it came to the conversation about whole life insurance, most people think whole life insurance is really just supposed to be used to create a permanent death benefit. And that's the only thing that it can do for you. But when you tweak the formula and you fund it for upfront cash value, and then you actually borrow against the contract, you can actually create totally different results in your overall financial structure than you would if you were just using it the way it was originally created to be used. And so that sort of customization and tweaking of the formula creates a very different result. But I think we see that in all kinds of places. I mean, you see old school annuities versus some of the things that are available today. I mean, they're amazing old school. Yeah. And old school investments, you've got direct to the stock market. Well, now we've got private equity doing the same thing that the stock market maybe used to do in a different capacity. And you've got mutual funds, ETFs. There you go. Real estate syndicates. And so you've got people who are looking at something that's maybe been done a traditional way and there's new ways to approach it. And I think to your point, being open to that is really important. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we're the entrepreneurs and we're the, and to your point, and we can close out here uh, because I was a W2 for a long time. My wife has said W2. I, I have nothing but respect for that because showing up day after day in a job and being able to pound it out and do the work and grind it out and, and do really cool things and, and achieve all of that in your career is amazing. And I, I, I was not skilled in that area. Um, I just don't like anyone telling me what to do ever. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> That's <I'd>... my problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, but I think that one of the things that we see sometimes with entrepreneurs is that comfort with being uncomfortable, that comfort with what if we looked at this in a new way, that's, that's always a little bit of a longer hurdle with someone that is more linear minded, right? They, they've done it this way and it's hard to make that shift. Um, and right. that sometimes we see that with our entrepreneurs, they already have a little bit of that kind of quirky personality. They, they've got a little bit of that bent. And so it's a, it's, it's an easier leap, uh, but they still have their own issues. They still have their own biases. And so it's, well, it's fun. And I think some of it, Eric, what you're talking about too, has to do with just the way people learn or think about the world. Because if, yeah. if you're a conceptual thinker, it's really easy for you to like rebuild your framework, right? I mean, it's you introduce a new variable, everything kind of shifts. But if you're heavily analytical, then you've built your world on, you know, facts and systems and that sort of stuff. And so right. when when you are confronted, when you're analytical and you are confronted with something that does not fit your existing paradigm, it's uh, sometimes it can be a more difficult transition because you have to dismantle everything that you built and totally reframe what you're thinking and then rebuild everything up to accommodate the new information. And so sometimes I think that's part of what's happening too, is that, you know, I, I look at the way I view the world. I'm always like, well, there's all kinds of stuff I don't know. And so this is what I believe based on what I know right now, but introduce something new and I've got to I've got to shift, but my brain naturally works that way and moves right. to accommodate things. That's why I'm a good consultant and a terrible salesperson. And people are like, is this the only way to do it? I'm like, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I know this way works. It works really well, but I'm always learning. Um, but I do think sometimes it's a little bit harder to go through that and that open-mindedness and that willing to look at things from a different perspective, to get creative to think about things with a different mindset. I think that's key. I mean, what is it you always say? There's an order to the the power of how we do things, mindset, strategy, tools. Right. Yeah. And the hardest part is the mindset. The tools are easy, right? It's right. But if you can, if you can fix the mindset, everything else, everything else works, right? Um, okay. Well, tell us where they can find you. Cause I know you've got some cool speaking stuff coming. So. Sure. If you're looking for me, you can find me at The Wealth Woman, wherever you use social media. Where can they find you, Eric? Yeah. And I'm at Economics with Eric. Nailed it in one take. Got it. Wherever you use social media. We'll see you next time. <laughs>